this week on Medical Minefield. I think this will end in a complete crisis where we'll get something where, you know, it's come from a one particular supplier and it ends up with people developing acute mm. infections. Like the because, PIP scandal or something with the, you know, the breast, Im- the yeah, t- bit, tainted breast implants. Like but the people that are going to really be in the firing line are the people with diabetes mm. because this is a very good drug for diabetes. But if this scandal, and this will be a big scandal, People will be, oh, well, we perhaps ought not to have this. We've got too much crime associated with it. We mustn't prescribe it. And they'll be denied a drug which is of real value to them. Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we are health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week we're asking, are dieters putting themselves at risk by taking the skinny jab just to drop a few dress sizes? As ever, we'd like to know what you think, so if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us at MedMinefield. People are going to begin to think we're obsessed Obsessed with the skinny jab. We Obsessed keep talking about it. it. it shouldn't Change be called, the record. It shouldn't be called the skinny jab, though. I get upset <clears throat> because it's quite an incredible drug, really. Mm, it's mm. It's been a, a life-changing drug for people with type 2 diabetes. Mm. Uh, the benefits keep on coming. Trials keep showing that, that it's not just about weight loss and blood sugar control. The latest data proves that you have this big reduction in heart attacks and strokes, even in people who use it to lose weight, um, who don't have diabetes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there are a few things that come along that I think would justify miracle mm. as a label, um, although we do love to stick a miracle label on things. Mm. Uh, you know, wonder and drug. Th- thing mm. wonder drugs. You know, things like statins, for instance. I-, I think they're wonder drugs. You know, when they came along, you know, they had such a profound effect, and they were so simple and so easy to take. Mm. You know, th- they really are a-, a wonder drug. And and this, I feel, is it seems to be the same, although perhaps not quite as simple to take as as a statin. It's mm. not just a pill. You have to inject yourself once a week. Um, with some of them, you have to inject yourself even more often. But, I mean, presumably that will change as, as things go on. Mm. But, of course, as this has evolved, as the story has emerged, uh, so too have the stories of how people have transformed the way they look. Mm. And the stories of celebs, particularly, I think, have have caught the imagination, haven't they? Mm. And there was the rumours that Kim Kardashian use the jab this is an unsubstantiated rumor but certainly one that's never been denied interestingly considering that there's been many a magazine front page and we you know done a huge piece on it etc and normally she's quite quick to correct inaccuracies isn't she so she's never said that she hasn't used the skinny jab and there was this dramatic transformation where she famous for being very curvy um, she suddenly, her body shape seemed to change totally quite change. dramatically. Very athletic looking. Yeah. I mean, I have family in Los Angeles and before the stories broke about the drugs over here for diabetes, I knew about them because I knew of various people in Beverly Hills who were taking this drug that was supposed to be a diabetes medication 
for weight loss. Uh, were these people who were very overweight? No. Or were they... No, no, no. It was sort of upper middle class, middle-aged women who had, you know, lived in Beverly Hills and wanted to be skinny. I mean, you know, if you speak to obesity experts who prescribe this drug, they'll say this is not what it's for. Mm. They won't engage with this idea that it can work in that way. And I suppose that's because none of the clinical trials that have been done have involved people who are a normal weight and want to be thinner. Of course. But I guess things have been confused slightly because the licensing has been changed. So it is now licensed and NICE approved for obesity. Not just diabetes. Not just diabetes. And even, I think, severe overweight, if you're severely overweight. But also have health conditions. Yeah. But that's, again, that's different from this idea of taking it for vanity, basically. Or taking it to fit into Marilyn Monroe's dress, as Kim Kardashian was rumoured to have done. But I don't think that's surprising. I mean, with any anything remotely related to weight loss, you're going to have a mass market of people who are jumping on it because it's a quick fix and that's what everyone wants. Have you ever been tempted? No. <laughs> but, I mean, it's actually, you know, a flippant question. But, mm. you know, in all seriousness... A body image and a relationship with eating is something you are acutely aware of as someone who has had an eating disorder, mm. as someone who has worked with supporting other people in the eating disorder community. Mm. And that's really the sharp end of all of this. Some of the descriptions that I hear from people on semaglutide, which is the name of the, the most popular mm. drug injection, it sounds almost like an eating disorder that they say that they lose interest in food, mm. that they don't want to eat, they forget to eat, they don't eat. I recently heard a story about a well-known uh, public figure in the UK who had uh, lost a dramatic amount of weight thanks to these jabs and had begun to suffer ill health and had then visited their doctor and had been diagnosed with various forms of malnutrition Mm. because they just weren't eating. I mean, that's almost a disorder, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I think it's very difficult to disentangle what's the psychological effect of having a reduction in your appetite and maybe being conscious of that, and then the physical of not really feeling like you want to eat. You know, if if it's a case of you really do want to eat and you, you know, you, you do don't have a problem with eating but you physically feel unwell or sick or nauseous you know after you do sometimes if you have like a vomiting bug or something then that's clearly not not a disorder but a uncomfortable physical thing Hmm. but what I've always been concerned about is that this drug could change people's relationships with food forever Yes, because they break the enjoyment of food. And, and, mm. and patients describe the relief from food noise, mm. um, this constant thinking about food. But then, you know, could the pendulum swing too far? And, you know, it, part of life is enjoying eating, you know, that there is a reward sense to eating. It's a natural instinct. And if, if that completely breaks that... Absolutely. You know, where else are you going to seek 
does it get transferred into Pleasure. something else? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so as we we know from you know writing about obesity for such a long time, in so many cases, it's a, it's a psychological problem really, and it's somebody trying to seek comfort from something because they feel that they're lacking it in another mm. area of their life. And and all too often, when somebody um, you know has bariatric surgery, for example, or loses a lot of weight that kind of hole is filled with something else, which is another mm. um, damaging behaviour. Yeah. Or the, 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 the weight gain was symptomatic, mm. a symptom of the psychological issues. That still exist. That still exist. Mm. And, then, and then that patient becomes even worse mentally because, mm. in fact, weight loss hasn't fixed anything. Yeah. And it's I really mean, important to know when you're hungry and know when you're full and... Mm, I just think messing that up. Can you imagine something that just makes you forget to eat, you know? No. We're talking about this today because uh, we're running a story, an exclusive preview of a Channel 4 documentary presented by Anna Richardson looking at the skinny jab, as they're calling it. Anna has been investigating it and admits in the Mail on Sunday this weekend and in the show next week on Tuesday that she considered using it to just lose a few pounds but having investigated it and spoken to experts and also discovered the complete wild west of counterfeits mm. and and tiktok salesmen which is something that we discovered a, mm. a little while back um you know has, says she wouldn't touch it with a barge pole um, mm. now which is interesting but I've been I've been racking my brains and she says that she's got more than one friend who's who's used it and says at least one of her friends uh, in in the piece she says looks fabulous mm. you know looks like she did in her 20s mm. and, and Anna I think is in her 50s now mm. and to be honest with you looks absolutely incredible she, yeah. as she has always done fierce like yeah. and uh, I wouldn't say you know is is at all a candidate for any kind of change in that respect but you know I mean it's it's about body image as well isn't it mm. and I, I I begin to kind of comb through in my mind the various We've seen quite a few big celebrity weight transformations. I feel quite surprising and quite dramatic. And there's been quite a concentration of them, uh, of people who, you know, I mean, it's almost like there was there was this moment, I think, in, in Roseanne in, mm. in the 90s uh, where they just replaced the actress who played one of the daughters with another actress and no one said anything. And it's a bit like that with like Adele. Mm. There was the Adele before, and then at some point they just Martians came, took her, her away. up, took her away, yeah. and obviously it's still Adele because the personality is the same, the voice is the same, everything's the same. But she just looks like a different. Whenever person. I think about that, if anyone's seen the film The Princess Diaries, I just imagine her being in that hairdresser's chair. Anyone? No, it's a tough crowd. No, I've not seen. Okay, that. well, anyway, it's it's a big miraculous transformation. Who's in the Princess Diaries? Anne Hathaway. Oh, I've heard rumours about her. What? Mm. A Zempic. Uh huh. What? She's like allegedly. A, she's like a tiny little thimble. Well, maybe now we know why. There's just a huge pressure on these women, aren't, yeah. isn't there? And it's. I think the problem is also it becomes when once you're in an industry, it's so normalised. That it's not even, it's probably just like having a coffee. Which is so wrong. It's a prescription it's medicine a prescription that drug, has yeah. a psychological impact. Rebel Wilson, she she lost a shed load of weight. She, she? did. Do we know if... Weight loss, because people rumoured that it was, there was the rumour that it was weight loss surgery, but it's, prob- it's probably not. It's probably this injection, wasn't it? 
allegedly, who knows, allegedly, who know, reportedly, allegedly, <laughs> Lily Allen. What do we think about that? Well, Go. well, she she says <laughs> say what you think. She says that that she lost a lot of weight because she stopped drinking. I think. Honestly, the Martian who comes and takes these women away and replaces them with a completely new person has has been at Lily Allen as well. I have to say, I did... I would barely recognise her. Yeah, she she does look very small these days. I, I did listen to a podcast where she spoke about food and I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously super in tune with any sort of inkling of a disordered thought which which most of us have to be honest so I, I know I'm probably oversensitive but there were some comments she made that did make me feel a little bit like perhaps she doesn't have the healthiest relationship with food but I, I don't know I don't know Lily Allen I'm not a friend unfortunately so it's all speculation. Uh, Boris Johnson admitted taking it and uh, Elon Musk mm. and Jeremy Clarkson I think Boris Johnson was probably obese wasn't he? Isn't that interesting how the men will admit I mean uh, we have an example of three but I feel are more willing to admit well there are other women that have admitted to it Chelsea Handler uh, oh. said that she took it but didn't know what she oh, was yeah. taking and um, the woman from Real Housewives of New New Jersey oh yeah she got absolutely slated because yeah. she wasn't overweight oh, no, you know some of these people mm. are overweight some of these people are barely overweight mm. uh, you know I would say none of these people are in the dangerously obese category in which they're going to be developing many, many conditions. And that's also key because the side effects, which, you know, are not insignificant, things like some people describe quite severe nausea, headaches, stomach and bowel problems, mm. which which can be, you know, irritating and uncomfortable. But if you're obese and it's going it, to taking this drug means that, you know, you're dramatically mm. reducing your risk of liver damage, liver damage, various complications from diabetes, early death, then mm. you could justify it. But for vanity, you know, why would you want to put up with that horrible Mm. collection of symptoms I begin to comb my mind as well as I've been seeing people in the gym these very dramatic transformations which are you know having been a regular gym goer for much of my adult life I've never seen before there was one guy I remember who lost shed loads of weight there was one guy and now I keep seeing people Wow. who were like one person before and they look different. Facially, people look different mm. because they lose so much weight. They're like, they have chiselled faces. Mm. And, you know, I think it's everywhere. I think we're going to normalise this kind of... <sighs> Just the problem. Where does it all end? Where does it all end? I don't know. I mean, you know, personally, I've, I've just come back from a beach holiday and I'd say we're in the era of the dad bod. I love a dad bod. Me too. <laughs> I think a lot of people do, though. Yeah, and, you know, I think... I think but we don't have the same for a mum bod, do we? Hmm? Do we not? We don't have... I don't it's know. Not, it's, yeah, our producer Julia's shaking her head. Yeah, What's, we don't. What is a mum bod? Well, exactly. Unattractive. That's the point. We sort of fetishise men's bodies as they get older as being like, ooh, silver fox, ooh. But older, larger women are just like disgusting old hags. <laughs> Are they really? Well, no, but (laughs) in the eyes of society, in the eyes of our misogynistic society, yes, they are. However, just before we went on air, you lamented about being catcalled and wolf-whistled, Eve. Yes. Well, presumably... that's another symptom of the misogynistic society. Oh, I see, I see. 
But the, I mean, presumably they'll stop and then you'll be relieved. What, when I'm an old hag? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> and I'll just be there with my dad. Bob. Well, I mean, here I am. <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, uh, you know, this 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 uh, pervasive popularity of this method of losing weight is is going to get more and more. These drugs are going to get better and better. I think Vivian Parry, who's one of our columnists, who's who's going to come on, a science writer, science expert, she mentioned to me when I was speaking to her earlier that there are something like 90 drugs of this kind in production mm. at the moment. She'll probably talk a bit about that. I mean, this is the brave new world. Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to be on one and I mean, before long. And I read somewhere that Nova Nordisk, who manufacture semaglutide, makes more money than the GDP of Denmark, which is where they're, they're based. Well, blimey, knock yes. me down with a feather. Doesn't surprise me at all. And and yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Vivian was saying she calls it the, the new arms race. Yeah, it's a big moneymaker. It definitely is. Well, look, joining us now is a science expert, science guru, Vivian Parry. And on the other line, we're doing a, a four-way right now, um, is Joe McFarlane, our reporter who has been covering the Anna Richardson documentary and the, the, the latest twists in the semaglutide tale for us this week on uh, In the Mail on Sunday. Uh, welcome both. Hello. Hello. I think, Vivian, first of all, I, I wanted to ask you, you wrote about three, three, four weeks ago in the Mail on Sunday about your concerns. You, you've been talking to me about this for a while. You know, it's, it's a fascinating area of medicine, uh, rapidly developing, big clinical trials, big money. Uh, but alongside this, there's been some real worries about uh, criminals uh, getting in on the act and uh, producing counterfeit semaglutide and other weight loss jabs, flogging it online or through TikTok, etc. I mean, this is something that you were you were hot on. You were the first to report this way before other people, you know, were doing stuff in in, in other newspapers. What was it, uh, you know, first caught your attention with with, with, with this story? I'm going to say one word: Viagra. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, twenty odd years ago, when Viagra first uh, appeared. There was an extraordinarily similar set of circumstances around it. It was for a condition like weight loss that uh, has a lot of stigma attached to it, that people don't necessarily want to know that they're you know, taking uh, stuff for. It was effective and it was hyped to the hilt. And initially there was a shortage and whereas with, I mean, I, and I remember doing a piece where I asked people to send me the inevitable counterfeits that then soon appeared, these little blue pills. Well, I got three sack loads of blue pills. And all I could say is, having looked at them, is that they'd give you a very blue mouth, but you'd still have a non-playing member. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I saw this, and I was already hearing from diabetologists, that they were really worried about shortages. And then you see the hype that's attached to it, and you see that this is genuinely a really effective medicine. I mean, it's really effective in terms of diabetes, but it's also you know, very effective in terms of weight loss. And this is only the beginning of the weight loss drugs that are coming our way now. And I thought, you know, here are the criminals who've been doing all the stuff for the pandemic they've they're now to loose end 
this is exactly what they're going to turn to hand, their hands mm. to. And I made a couple of calls, and there were a lot of pharmacists already really worried about it. And you've seen the explosion of websites. Mm. I mean, it's just astonishing. Yeah, I mean, the, the documentary that, that Joe has been working on with, with Anna Richardson uncovered as we did a few weeks back uh, with a different uh, weight loss jabligiratoid. Uh, no, it was it was tazepatoid, uh, tazepatoid, uh, which hasn't even been released in the UK. Yeah. But Joe, tell us, the documentary discovered that that people were were flogging this on TikTok, and and they actually tested the the products that they bought, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think Anna was quite shocked at all of this. Actually, Anna Richardson is presenting it. You know, she's obviously presented all these diet programs over the years: super size, versus super skinny, and naked attraction, which is about body image and all that sort of stuff. But she came in contact with this woman called Colleen, lovely lady who had lost loads of weight um, legitimately after getting an NHS prescription um, for one of the weight loss jabs, and she set up a website which was designed to support other people in their own weight loss journey. And what she found was that initially it was this wonderful kind of supportive community full of women, all kind of encouraging each other on with their diets and with their jabs, etc. But it was absolutely flooded. And this was within the last three or four months with people trying to flog semaglutide um, or raglutide, all of the weight loss jabs online. And, and really exploiting having- the, the shortages that are going on, I suppose. Well, both, both exploiting the shortages and exploiting the ongoing desire from normal people who want to lose a few pounds who can't obviously get it through legitimate channels. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it's two-way really, but clearly there's a demand and it's not just coming from people who need this medication, it's coming from people who would quite like this medication. And there are a lot of them out there. I was quite um, shocked, I watched the preview of the documentary to, to see a, a pattern similar to what Vivian has just spoken about with Viagra, that, you know, some people on Facebook are selling powders that can be diluted with water that they say is the <laughs> same drug. It was extraordinary. I mean, she Anna opened up this package um, in front of the camera, and it came in this beautiful, like, pink wrapping. So you know, and it was a lovely little sticker on it saying, "You know, thank you for your purchase." But in it was like a set of syringes, and these syringes are quite massive compared to the very, very thin needles that you get in the Olympic pens. But also, the, the active ingredient, as it was, the, the the medication was literally a little glass vial filled with white powder. That was it. And you were supposed and to mix a, it yourself? Well, yeah, the, well, it didn't come with any. Oh, my God. That was, that was a terrifying thing. There were no instructions saying, you know, you need to take, um, you need to carefully weigh whatever it is, mm-hmm. 0.5 milligrams mm-hmm. of this stuff and mix it with this amount of water. There was just nothing. And do we Maybe know whether that was definitely the, the drug or was it something different? No. So the documentary uh, sent that sample and a sample of a second alleged um, semaglutide that they'd ordered from someone online to a laboratory in at the University of Oxford. One other order that they placed just didn't turn up. They were effectively scammed, which also happens, by the way. And what the lab scientists found, and their, their methods are quite limited. They basically have to compare it directly to a legitimate sample of semaglutide. Um, or what is in the Ozempic pen and what they could tell was that it wasn't what was in the Ozempic pen and in fact was quite different but in order to find out what it was they'd have to literally compare its profile against every other drug or every kind of substance known to man they clearly don't have enough time to do that but what they can tell you was that it wasn't the magnetite 
Interesting. I mean, you can only hope. You can only hope it, it, that whatever it was was relatively harmless. I mean, the Swiss authorities they were alerted to all of this because, and they had people in with going into a, a hypoglycemic crisis because they'd had insulin in their ozempic pens. And, and and just to to be clear, I mean, insulin is something that you know people who are severely diabetic or type or type one diabetic. Uh, severely type two diabetic or type one diabetic, you know, will take to because they're not producing any, or you know, the, the, and the tiniest amount too much can put you in a coma, basically, can't it? Yeah, yeah. But I would be, I would be surprised if that was actually common, because actually, you, that's a very quick way to be found out. Yeah, exactly. You, you want something. And, and I think actually this is another key thing about these weight loss drugs is that because they don't work for everyone, it means that if they don't work for you, you just put it down to experience, say, oh, I was a bit silly doing this and I didn't want anybody to know I was doing it and you don't report it. So I think this is way underreported. Mm. There was a, a nurse that was interviewed as part of the documentary and she had tried to aggravate herself actually. But she said she knew that there were people turning up to A&E with side effects from drugs they had taken, which were supposedly semaglutide, having ordered them over the internet, but weren't, weren't really reporting that that's what they had done. So harm is being caused to people because they're ordering random um, supplies of drugs over the internet. And, and we're, we don't find out about it because they're not telling anyone. Mm. Vivian, where does this end? Like, what, I mean, these drugs aren't going anywhere. There's going to be more and more. Something needs to happen to stop this. Madness. Yeah, I mean, with with Viagra, they made it over the counter in order to mm. c- counter yeah. counteract the counterfeits, didn't they? They it. Yes, and it was very it was very successful. I mean, I I think the real worry is that this is something that ends up in the retail supply chain, mm. by which I mean, you know in boots, in other high street chemists, because, it, you know, there are such huge profits to be made that it's worth criminals swapping it out, by which I mean they put something that has nothing in it. If they swap it out at some point in the supply chain. It gets into the NHS supply chain or, or ordinary retail chemists, and nobody is aware of it. And meanwhile, they sell on the other stuff. And that a terrible situation because we have such low index of suspicion in the UK about drug safety. So, you know, if we have things go wrong, usually it's the patient that's blamed. Oh, you haven't been taking it right or you're just one of those people that doesn't react to this stuff. The patient gets blamed and there's such a low index of suspicion that it actually might be a counterfeit drug. So I think that's a real worry. So I I think that you will see the MHRA really ramp up their investigation. Because at the moment, they seem to be... They're not doing anything, really, uh, Well, no, they're not doing anything. I mean, Joe and I were astonished. I mean, and, and a lot of pharmacists, I know, were astonished that the MHRA claimed to have only found one instance of a, of a counterfeit drug. Mm, that's right. Mm, gosh. And that's yeah. still the case, I think. Do you think that yeah. maybe it's, oh, I, this could just be my theory, but I think the threshold for really sort of, sus, well, I guess like you said, Vivian, suspicion in this area is is perhaps lower for other areas of health because obesity is seen as such a huge problem that needs to be solved. And so it's sort of like, well, whatever, how, whatever it takes for you to lose weight. 
is better than you not losing it sort of thing. Yeah, but I think it, you can uh, compare and contrast it with non-surgical cosmetic interventions. So, you know, you could say equally, well, if you want to go and do this stuff, that's fine. But the trouble is that it comes back at you because all the things that go wrong have then to be come back the NHS, into the yeah. NHS. And, and you were and, involved. And you're, you're playing blind, aren't you? Because you really, you don't know what people have been taking. And in general, they've by the time they've been sick and they've destroyed what they had and you, you can't trace it. And, and Vivian, one of the first times we met, we spoke about your involvement in the the Keo, uh, the Bruce Keo review of yeah. the cosmetics industry. You were on the review panel, and and yeah. you're you're quite despairing still of 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 you know how the the situation with you know injectables, uh, Botox fillers, and stuff like that has been allowed to fester and worsen, and you know regulation has been you know very poor in that area too. I mean, could could we see a similar situation with this, do you think? We could start to see regulation of weight loss clinics. I mean, in theory, of course, these are prescription medicines. Mm. I mean, Botox is a prescription medicine, but, you know, there were p- ways people got around it. But this is a prescription medicine, and people's livelihoods, if their doctors are on the line, if they're prescribing this, mm. and uh, they get found out and it's, and it, and it's counterfeit. But I mean, you know, something that astonished me when, with a, a few different of the investigations we've done is quite how brazen these websites are in, you know, for instance, ignoring the MHRA rules that say that you can't prescribe it to non-diabetics mm. at the moment. Mm. You know, we found four clinics or so that, that would prescribe them to us, no questions asked, basically. And these were registered Which clinics. Which is pretty much what Anna Richardson found also yeah. in the documentary. And yeah, that- we asked them all for comment. Not one of them commented, and we named them. I mean, they they obviously didn't give a toss. Well, we did. They this. have no. They have no shame. They have no shame. <laughs> we we were actually one of the first newspapers, I think, to run a story about these drugs being used for cosmetic purposes way before the NHS started looking at them. This was your piece a couple of yeah, years. Back. Yeah, about the skinny jab, and it was exactly. I think Kerry Katona had taken it. And, and some other celebrity. And uh, oh, we, we all know about a Kardashian that got into a Marilyn Monroe dress. Because oh, yes. She yeah. Could <laughs> yeah. Well, allegedly. But... Allegedly. <laughs> Rumoured. <laughs> um, but, but to begin with, it was being used by, you know, people who just wanted to lose weight to fit into a dress. Or something was. Mm. Yeah, I do worry about it, the whole thing. And, you know, things have never ended well with diet drugs. There's always been some kind of disaster with it turns out that people were taking something, it might have been on an unlicensed version that caused everyone to have heart failure or, you know, developed suicidal thoughts or, you know, I think there is. is some element of cashing in on this sheer desperation that people have to be thin. Mm. And that's what I find really disturbing. I think this will end in a complete crisis where we'll get something where people have got, you know, it's come from a one particular supplier and it ends up with people developing acute mm. infection. Like the, because, the PIP scandal or something with the, you know, the breast, Im- the yeah, t- bit, tainted breast implants. Like yeah. No but big. of course, that's the other thing that always was a huge worry when we did the Kia review was that lots of these places kept no records at all. Mm. So if something had gone horribly wrong, 
if, for instance, there was a contaminated batch of filler, for instance, they had no idea who the other people were that had had the same batch. And I think you've got a similar public health problem coming here. It's going to be the same, isn't it? Yes. But the people that are going to really be in the firing line are the people with diabetes. Mm. Because, you know, this is a very good drug for diabetes. I mean, we're seeing an absolute extraordinary turnaround for diabetes at the moment. You know, all sorts of different areas are all coming together. And finally, we look as though we've got a lot of it licked. Mm. But, but... If this scandal, and this will be a big scandal, if it overwhelms the supply of drugs for diabetes patients, then you're going to find they're going to be disadvantaged because people will be, oh, well, we perhaps ought not to have this. We've got too much crime associated with it. We mustn't prescribe it. And they'll be denied a drug which is of real value to them. Well, I hope policymakers are listening to this and taking heed. Thanks very much, Joe McFarlane and Vivian Parry, for joining us today. Lovely to talk to you. Bye. One thing that I found really interesting when I did a piece not too long ago, I think we did a podcast on it as well, about patients who undergo bariatric surgery being at higher risk of dying by suicide. Mm. A lot of the doctors I spoke to said they were now really worried that we we may see this same phenomena, but with semaglutide and other similar drugs, because it's a it's similar kind of thing in that you go from sort of one identity to another yeah, I mean, well, semaglutide, perhaps not, but uh, certainly tazepatide. Because it's the more dramatic. Doctors I've spoken to say it's a, an effect that is akin to bariatric surgery. Oh, wow. Like people call it weight loss surgery in a in a jab. Wow. You know, because people lose sort of a quarter or more of their weight, so it's it's a big big amount. Mm. Um, and if we know that there's this huge mental health risk associated mm-hmm. with bariatric surgery, then that needs to definitely be taken into account when prescribing to patients. Uh, I know that lots of bariatric surgery teams have a dedicated psychological sort of element in order to protect. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that makes sense because going through a surgical procedure is going to be mm. a, a, you know more carefully and closely m- mm. monitored and guarded. But you know already you know that that celeb story about the you know the, the malnourished mm. person. I mean that's presumably because someone was prescribed it by a private doctor who they never saw again, uh, just filled in their repeat prescriptions online by email and never had any other kind of advice. So the fact that they weren't eating anything just went un, unchecked, yeah, absolutely. which wouldn't presumably happen on the NHS who are saying that you can only be prescribed these drugs by a, a hospital clinic, uh, an obesity clinic And also, at the moment. I'm sure that there's a lot of people, you know, the very nature of wanting to take this jab means that you're a person who probably has had concerns or a difficult relationship with your body image for several years, maybe, which there, you know, therefore also means you probably have quite a difficult relationship with food. So I just I worry that the demographic is going to be a particularly vulnerable one. Well, no doubt this will be a subject that we keep coming back to. You can read all about the forthcoming Channel 4 documentary presented by Anna Richardson in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or on the Mail app. 
we'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.